right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Living Your Juiciest Life Ever. <laughs> so happy that you are here with us today, where we have incredible conversations with men and women that have stepped into owning their voices, claiming joy, and living from their unique expression, therefore living their juiciest life ever. They may be coming from a place of self-loathing to self-love, from selfless to self-full, from some other place where they were not fulfilled to this new place of really amping it up. And they're here to inspire you so that you can be inspired to do the same, living your juiciest life ever. And I am so honored and privileged today to have my first man on my show. <laughs> <laughs> so his name is Steve Garvin. And his he thought his story was worthless until he discovered he'd been playing a role that wasn't his or singing a song he didn't write. Mm. When he became the author of his own story, Steve's self-worth and self-compassion went from barely surviving to thriving. He hosts the Sing Your Heart Song Summit. He is the author of Never Trust Your Money with a Marketer. I'm excited to hear about that. These are the seven principles of prosperity marketers overlook and heart notes, which are inspiring letters from the heart to fear, the inner critic, money, abundance, and more of life's biggest challenges. His mission is to guide authors and speakers to lasting prosperity. So welcome, Steve. That's a beautiful biography. I'm super excited. And I now know why 99% of your interactions and coaching is with women. <laughs> 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 so I love it. It's fabulous. You'll have to fill me in sometime. <laughs> I will. <laughs> and I will for the audience because they're going, what? So what I got from that, because my perspective and the ways that our brains work is because it's women's natural nature to nurture. We often put ourselves last and that's what you did. So it's a very common thread that you came from this place of not living in your dream and not living in your own true voice, which is something that women do for a period of time. And often by the time they hit their mid forties, they end up frustrated, angry, resentful because they expected to receive back what it was that they gave, which we know the world doesn't really work like that when it comes from a place of emptiness. Yes. Right. So you have an amazing understanding of women and people know that without even knowing your story because of how you show up. Mm, thank you. And that's a gift. <laughs> it is a gift. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I call my business gifts into gold because it's those gifts that uh, might not like look like gifts in the, in the beginning when you first unwrap them, you're like, what the freak is this? And it takes some toying around with, playing around with, reimagining re in order to see those. Uh, at times, they look like lumps of coal rather than 
the shiny gift that you have been wanting for so long. And but when we recognize them and we approach our, our lives and ourselves with curiosity, we see things we wouldn't have otherwise seen. Mm. That's beautiful from curiosity. I, what kept ringing in my mind was a change of perspective. You give people a change of perspective. Mm. And I love that's such a, a profound word, curiosity. If we can look at our own lives with curiosity. Absolutely. So if you were to do that, so maybe walk us through a little bit of that. How do we shift your perspective into curiosity? What's the question that I'm asking? Sure. So how, how do you shift your life into curiosity? I'll tell you a little bit about how it showed up for me. Um, I have always been a fan of the arts. Uh, some of my best friends growing up were artists. My dad was a, for most of my, well, all my growing up life was a um, closeted artist. He didn't come out in that way or in other ways until after I had graduated from high school. Um, and I always felt that I was not, I didn't have the talent in order to, to be creative or artistic myself. So I was always a spectator, never the, never the creator myself, except for writing. Writing is something I've always done and has been a, a mainstay for me throughout my life. Um, but I, that was I didn't really accept that as, as a creative endeavor. It was just kind of who I am, what I do. But I always found myself really drawn to going to things like art galleries and art fairs and just talking to people who were creative. And by following my kind of inner, I call it my internal navigation system, my internal GPS, and being willing to, to follow that rather than saying, no, well, that's going down the wrong way. I can't go that way. And listening to those desires from within, I began to open up to doing things like doing photography and paper mache and jewelry making and cartooning and most recently writing poetry. Um, and just kind of seeing where it leads and not being so tied up in, well, in order for it to be any good, it has to look like this, or it has to sound like this, or it has to be like this. That when we begin to hear our heart song, it might sound a little bit different than what we expected or what society or education or our parents or whatever teaches us or told us that it should look like. But if we keep listening to it, keep open to it out of curiosity, hmm, what is that? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What am I being led to that is different than where I have been and where I am currently? And by opening up to that and allowing ourselves to go down some of those rabbit trails, rather than saying, no, I can't do that. I've got work to do. And I'm, you know, I'm a father or a mother and I've got four kids and you know all these responsibilities and so forth and so we keep ourselves you know pigeonholed in these routines that that put bread on the table but leave us empty inside 
Mm. And when we begin to open up, allow curiosity to guide our footsteps, then we can find those things that actually satisfy not only not only on the external but also on the on the internal. Living from the juicy. <laughs> right. And create a juicy life. You bet. <laughs> that was very beautiful. Um, I hope everybody out there that's having a listen has grabbed a pen and a piece of paper because there were some awesome points there. Getting curious about your own life and allowing yourself to just be in that state of flow instead of judging what it is that's showing up. Yeah, Absolutely. I love that free flow writing. And that's how yes. I wrote my, my note to money. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's really interesting. I didn't know that about my journey. <laughs> exactly. It, it opens up, this allows us to discover things that we did not know before. Because instead of just operating from our knowledge base, you know, the, our encyclopedia inside, we can uh, open up the space and, and see what else is there. Yeah, get out of the left brain and start using that right brain again. We've been kind of entrained and lopsided into that left brain thinking in the world as of late. Yes. <laughs> so can you describe how you felt during a time when you were in that space of being disconnected, um, in that space of where maybe you were giving too much and neglecting yourself in the process? I can so when, back when I was in corporate accounting, I was a father of four. I had responsibilities and actually I had a job title. Many of my friends that I graduated with my master's degree in accounting were envious of the role that I had in corporate America. I had the good title. I had you know, good company, lots of great benefits. And at least on paper, I should have been delighted with where I was. Instead, I was severely depressed. In fact, dangerously depressed. And I had to go out a couple of times on disability to deal with the depression that I was dealing with. And one of those times was actually wasn't, wasn't directly related to the, the depression, but I had been avoiding listening to myself for so long that I constricted whooping cough. And I would cough so hard that I would literally pass out. And uh, it was not a fun experience. I had to, honestly, I started listening to lots of doctors because I had, we had to figure out what the heck was going on. It was not uh, an easy disease to diagnose and it wasn't an easy disease to figure out, well, how do we get past this? Because I, not only did I cough really hard, but it, the, it just wouldn't go away no matter what I did and how many prescriptions I took and whatever. So I went from one specialist to the next specialist, to the next specialist. And um, it's kind of not unlike my journey of finding myself that I had to you know, try this and try that and, you know, just remain open to not having the immediate answer, allowing myself to discover what the answers were. But I had all these responsibilities that were on me and I lived and again, live in an area that while there are some, there's a lot of wealth around here, there's, there are only a handful of companies that pay 
really well. And I felt very constricted as to what my choices were. Felt lots of responsibility for taking care of my family and the house we had. And, you know, I just, and I also had church responsibilities and there were just lots of obligations that I had to meet. And I was so busy meeting everybody else's obligations that I gave myself no time at all mm. and ended up being really sick because of it. So when I left that environment, I, one, I had had enough dealing with accounting that I did not want to return to that environment. And, but I didn't know what else was going to come. I didn't know, I call it the creative wilderness, which the wilderness can be this wonderful place where you can go out and discover and, you know, try lots of different things, but it can also be this terrifying place where you're like, I don't have any bearings. I don't know where I am. I don't know. It's like lots of open space, but there's no correct direction. There's no guidance. I don't know how to find my way through this environment because I don't have this, the, you know, secure career path that I've had up until this point. Well, that was what was giving you the directions, right? It was an external thing. So it's like, where, right. is, where is my internal navigator? Exactly. And my internal navigator was tucked deeply into my backpack and I didn't even know what was missing or where, how to find it or anything. But by learning to tap in to myself uh, through lots of creative ex exercises and starting a meditation practice and that type of thing, I, I began to listen, learn how to listen to my internal navigation system. Mm. So how did you find, uh, as far as the meditation was concerned, how did you find the path in that whole big world of what's out there to listen to? How did you find what was that, that, that ended up working for you? And, and what was that? Well, that was actually a really long journey. Um, I think I did my first meditations, I don't know, 30 years ago, something like that. Wow. <laughs> And I liked the experience, but it wasn't, again, I wasn't giving myself any time. And so I didn't have a regular practice. I, I had good feelings towards it, had a good impression of it, but I didn't have any, for lack of a better word, discipline around. Mm -hmm. But when I found myself to completely burnt out, and just honestly kind of holding on by my fingertips, I began to recognize and to open them to the possibility, to the understanding that if I didn't take care of myself, it didn't matter how wonderful my wife was or my kids were, um, they couldn't take care of me in the way that I needed to take care of me. So I needed to, instead of putting myself last, I needed to start making myself a priority. I needed to, you know, do those things that where I started my day by taking care of myself, not by squeezing in what little self-care I could give to myself at 1130 at night when everybody else has gone to bed. And, you know, I finally have a moment to myself. And consequently, because I stayed up so late in order to, to finally find some time for myself and have to wake up early the next morning, I'm, I'm depriving myself of sleep. And so I kind of, well, I more than kind of like, I went from being an avowed night owl to being an early riser and gave myself hours of self-care time first 
thing in the morning. So today, like literally today, I woke up at 10 minutes to five and, you know, feeling pretty good after a good night's sleep, spent uh, 45 minutes or so meditating, and then, you know, spent some time reading and just lots of really good self-care. So that by the, I was done with all that around nine o'clock or so this morning. So, and that's wow. not uncommon for me to, to spend that much time just giving myself lots of juicy self-care. Amazing. That's, that's a real commitment. So, so that was, um, so you said you got up at five, mm -hmm. right? And you finished at nine. Right. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> what was it? Um, I think it was Gandhi that said, uh, when uh, my day is too busy and I don't have time to me uh, meditate for an hour, I meditate for two hours. Mm, yes. Yep. Yeah. So that is such an important thing to remember. And uh, I used to be pretty good at meditating. And I've been saying to myself, I really have to take that time out now as well. Mm. And yeah, so I, I have moments and my husband and I have like together time that we generally spend in the morning. So we have devotions and prayers together in the morning. Mm. Nice. So then I need to either get up earlier and go and sit by myself. And I think that's kind of the ideal and then come back. Yeah. To be in the and it doesn't have to be 45 back. minutes. I mean, I, I, it took me 20 plus years to get to the point where I meditate as long as I do. Um, the main thing is just doing it, you know, yeah. and some days I only have 10 minutes to meditate, but the one thing I am consistent about is that I meditate every single day. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. Most of the time, it's somewhere in between. And and this is weekends too, right? Absolutely, every day. So that's 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 the the key the key the key of that consistency for sure. Yeah, and I know that when I do it, I just go, "Oh my gosh, I have to do this more often." I don't feel like this <laughs> in my life as I'm feeling right now. This is hugely powerful. Mm, yeah. Right? So well, it's. Studies have shown, research has shown that even just meditating for just a few minutes, just a few times in your life makes a, a lifetime impact. Meditating for just a few minutes each morning makes a, it sets the tone for the rest of the day mm -hmm. so that, you know, that those few first few moments of the day have compounding effect that make your whole day a much better experience. Yeah. Okay. So I'm making that commitment publicly now. I will begin. <laughs> I will begin tomorrow morning. <laughs> and when I get, and actually I'm going to make time for it this afternoon too. So right on, whatever, if it's two minutes, if it's three minutes, I know that I need to begin. I was, I was constantly teaching other people to get on the meditation journey. And now I've been not on the meditation journey. So. Well, it's, that's one of the reasons I make it a daily practice because it's when we break our routines like that and, you know, our routines can be broken for all kinds of things. I mean, we have a death in the family, we have, you know, a vacation, we have, you know, a big project, we have whatever. When those routines that have been so consistent for so long get interrupted, it's hard, oftentimes hard to get 
back into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, totally. Oh, so where was, so here you were on traversing this journey and then you, sh- you shared that you started, started to meditate, but where was the, where was the tipping point of that breakthrough and then how it affected your life after? So you, you had mentioned that you'd suffered from depression mm-hmm. for a period it of time. Did. To be totally transparent, I've suffered with depression and, and suicidal ideation, at least since I was a teenager. So it was a fairly, it was such a regular part of my life and, and way of being that I didn't think it was, I thought that was the way it was for everybody. I didn't realize that, that my experience was unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got severely depressed and dangerously depressed. I mean, I was literally five minutes away from ending it all. Um, I'd already called in the prescription, et cetera. And um, it was, it was pretty dire. Um, what, what I realized was that, and the turning point for me was I remember, and it was a simplest little occurrence that other than the impact that has had since it happened, you wouldn't have thought it was anything at all. But I remember waking up and just sitting up in bed and feeling depressed. And I just had the thought, you know, instead of fighting this, what if I just let go and not let go of like, you know, in a suicidal type of way, but just let go of fighting it, just allowed myself to be depressed. And instead of thinking it was a bad thing for me to be depressed, just notice it as just data, as just, you know, well, isn't that interesting that I'm depressed? Mm-hmm. And by just allowing myself to be depressed, instead of thinking that I needed to be different, that I needed to be showing up in a different way, it allowed me to, one, accept myself, to allow my experience and to create a different experience. Not because I was, I needed to, but because. Finally, I let go of there is something wrong with me, something broken with me, and I need to to fix it. But, and at the same, literally at the same time, I went from being my biggest critic to being my biggest cheerleader. From, you know, saying, you know, these are the things that are wrong with me to, well, let's see what's good with me. You know, what's, what's going, what's working well with me? What are, what are the things that I can point to that, are a blessing to, you know? And one of the things that I have done consistently for the last couple of years is that, and I guess I was actually doing it differently. For the last couple of years, I've used this little, um, I don't know how well it's gonna come through in the video, but this gratitude journal, which begins with just writing down three things you're thankful for. Prior to that, and this will show the, the accountant in me. I was using a spreadsheet to, to do that. But just noticing, you know, what are the things that I'm grateful for? And it could be, you know, well, the sun shining, or I woke up again this morning, or, you know. Woke up on the right side of the grass. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the grass is green. Or, you know, I mean, there's a million things, literally a million things you can be thankful for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really, I don't know that it really matters what you identify as being what you're grateful for, but just the fact that you make that habit of identifying that you are grateful 
instead of, you know, bemoaning, well, I've got to go to work to, again today, or, you know, I don't have, uh, I don't have any money in the bank, or, I mean, there's a million things you can complain about. There's mm-hmm. also a million things you can be grateful for. And as I, as in a poem that I wrote recently, I have learned to lean to the bright side that when things aren't going the way that I would like them to go, when, you know, the, the last rays of hope set behind the volcano that the next morning that there is something grateful that we can wake up, you know, the sun's going to rise again, Mm -hmm. that no matter how terrible things may look, there's always something wonderful to to discover. And one of the ways that I learned that, ironically, I was living in the Pacific Northwest in Tacoma, Washington, to be specific. And if you know any of the, uh, what people say about that area is that it's always overcast. It's always gray. And there's a lot of truth to that. And it was about this time of year, December, approaching the winter equinox, the sun is setting about 4, 4.30, not much light in the day. It's rainy or drizzly or, you know, overcast all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, yuck, I, I don't know. I can't, I need something different. And I was writing about that. And I realized that, you know, one of the things that's cool about the winter solstice is that, yes, it's the shortest day of the year, but every day after that, day the days actually get longer yeah and so instead of looking at it as being a period of death and uh you know dormancy there's actually a lot of growth and and renewal that is happening that we don't see beneath the surface right and also i was doing had developed my photography practice by then And so even on the crappiest days, I'd go out looking for just one thing to take a photo of that I thought was beautiful. And it turns out that rainy days, you can find some really cool things to photograph because the, on a cloudy day, you're, you're not dealing with the sun overexposing the, the photo and you can find some really cool images out in that environment. So and reflections, went, exactly reflections and raindrops and I mean just and dew drops like on leaves and there's there's a ton of things that that are just really awe inspiring, and because I made that a daily practice, just finding one thing that was beautiful to to photograph, began a, to be a, a practice where now. I look and see, well, where else can I look for something beautiful? There's there's got to be something, no matter what the mess is that I'm dealing with right now, there's got to be something positive that I can find. And I have never been disappointed. So it's always about like, like what you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation was about being curious, Mm -hmm. right? And then giving our brain, our brain is a tool. So giving your brain a better job right? I'm going to give you a better job. It's your job yeah. now to go find me something that's beautiful. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. So it's, it, it, I, I use a line. It's, it's instead of, you know, we've been given this incredible tool 
And what we've done is we've allowed it to run our life instead of us running it. Because mm, yes. it's the tool. As opposed to the tool using us, we need to go back to using the tool for a tool. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Wait a minute, I'm in charge here. <laughs> <laughs> I get to choose how this thing runs. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So from that place, even though... Uh, we're going to hang on to the gratitude because that's huge. And that consistency of meditation. So could you share that? I mean, you've had such an incredible journey, you know, where there was that struggle for such a long time and then, you know, developing through it and elevating and really stepping into your creative being and, and applying that into your life. Now, could you share a story of, Failure isn't the best word, but it's because, you know, it's like failure is only failure when you, I don't know, when you don't get up again. So, uh, and then what you chose to learn from it. Sure. Well, one of the things that precipitated my severe depression and my subsequent receiving a, a pink slip of opportunity was... I was tasked with replacing this really beastly system that took three days to calculate the warranty reserve on just a number. It was an accounting term. It doesn't really matter what it was. Okay. But, um, and I replaced it with something that took 15 minutes and, you know, to do it was much simpler, much cleaner. And it, it involved, there was spreadsheets, spreadsheets or something, at least in that time of my life, were pretty much a constant, um, but it had multiple tabs and I forgot to update one of the cells on one of the tabs, which caused the calculation to under, either under or overestimate the, the amount that we need to put on the books. And it wasn't like a $10 difference it was hundreds of thousands of dollars difference and i went from being the hero of the company to being the zero in the company because wow. i had made that mistake and so i had to learn to look at failure from a different angle that rather than seeing it as something we never make mistakes, which was really the environment in which I worked, that you know, we don't make mistakes ever, period. And that's, I mean, you don't want your accountant to make a mistake. I mean, that's totally understandable. But mistakes do happen. <laughs> in fact, one of the ways that I like to think about it is that it is a mistake. It, it is, you know, if, we, if you break up those two syllables, it's kind of like, you know, a director with his, uh, what is that called? The, the director's clapboard. Right. Yes. You know, okay, yeah. that wasn't a take. Let's do take two. And if take two doesn't work, then take three. You know, and it, that, you know, wherever our lives are, there's always going to be some kind of mistake. I mean, that's just, and if you honestly aren't making any mistakes, you're probably playing it pretty safe because, uh, Anytime we get into new territory, we have the opportunity to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to constantly pushing ourselves and trying out new territory, whatever that may look like, there's going to be a mistake that's going to happen. 
And we can either look at that as being the end of the world, which is what I looked at, at as, and actually my employer looked at as at the time, or we can look at it as just, you know, is there an opportunity to learn here? You know, is there, and ironically, one of the reasons I was as good with technology as I was, was because I made lots of mistakes, but instead of just being a, and avoiding those mistakes, being curious about, well, what can this mistake teach me? You know, if I make, if that mistake created this result, what if we did it this way? And what if we used it in this way? So instead of mistakes being this liability, this thing that we want to avoid, seeing it instead as an opportunity to learn, just like, you know, Thomas Edison with his 10,000 attempts yeah. at, at creating the light bulb, right? You know, in order to make 10,000 mistakes like that, you have to have something else driving. You know, you've got to look at mistakes from a different angle. If, if you're beating yourself up 10,000 times, unless you've got the uh, willpower and the stamina of, of a bull, you're not going to, to keep going. But if you can reimagine, re-see, re-envision what this mistake really is, then you can turn it from being this terrible event in the, into this opportunity for you to learn something that you wouldn't otherwise have learned. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Right? Right. And I love that you always come up with a question. I think that that's really so powerful because then it's like, okay, so I just asked a question and then it's like, what's coming up because of the question and getting curious mm -hmm. about that. Yes. Wow. That's really interesting. Well, I'm really cool. I love questions. You know how little kids ask lots and lots of questions. Well, I, I've never on my, on her deathbed, literally my mom said, one of the last things she said to me was never grow up. And this was four years ago. So it wasn't a long time ago. And one of the ways that I never grow up is that I am to, I, I love asking questions. I love following my curiosity. And one of the instrumental books, another tool that I came across on, on my journey was this book called Play by Stuart Brown, where he talks about the eight different play styles. And there are play styles like the artist and the joker and the athlete and the explorer. Uh, and it, I spent some time figuring out, well, which one of those play styles is, is my dominant play style? Because hmm. I have many of them. But the one that came out on top, no surprise, was the Explorer. Because I am just really driven by discovery, by learning new things. And questions are much better, in my opinion, than answers. Because answers are like a, a stopping point. Maybe. answers are like a no right like <laughs> yeah when we because so in improv you always stop the improv when you oh, say yes, no right yeah and so answers are like the no in improv what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful so when we have a yes and when the question is okay well tell me more you know which is a question in its own way Mm -hmm. 
then there's opportunity for us to learn and to discover and to express ourselves in a more juicy way, right? Love it. That's lovely. Love it. Love it. So what's next for you? <laughs> what's on your list? <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask that because just before I we got on this call today, I was spending time with this resource that a friend of mine turned me on to last year called the year compass, which is looking back at this year and figuring out what is next for me next year. And this year, my whole theme for the year was inspire a greater difference. Mm. And it has been a really rich year in, in many different ways. My focus for 2022 is to, how did I um, make courageous offers? Um, how do I make courageous offers? Well, that I will discover in 2022, okay. but, but it is basically taking what have I got right now and how can I um, share that more broadly with my community and not just more broadly, but also, you know, in, in different ways, what, what is the yes. And, you know, how do we say kind of like, I have not yet read the book, but I've heard of um, Shonda Rhimes' book, The Year of, of Yes. I actually have that on Audible. Mm. I need to go back and start listening to it again. Yeah. So it's, you know, her life just changed by saying yes as frequently as she did. And I'm uh, thinking that that making courageous offers might look something like that. I don't know exactly. I, I like now in this stage of my life, I like to open-ended opportunities and I like to just see what, what happens with what comes my way. I would not, a year ago, I would not have designed this year to look the way that it has, but this year has turned out to be just a really cool, wonderful experience. Because I said, well, let's see what happens. And so I don't, I can't tell you like, you know, day by day or month by month what it's going to look like, but I, I can point the direction and say, well, this is the way that we're, way I am headed in my life and in my business. So on that note, I, I actually, I would love to um, just repeat a couple of things that you've said. So for our listeners today, stay curious, give your brain something else to do, as in look for more beauty. Mm. What is the yes and let's see what happens. Mm. Because yes. how, can your, how can your year be a bad year? If you're open to seeing what happens and keep asking more questions, because if we have this expectation and doesn't show up exactly the way it is that we planned and we're not asking questions, then how do we move forward? Mm. Right. Yeah. So yes. it's been an absolute, absolute honor and joy for to have you. My heart is like, it's bursting. I just want, I just, I can't even thank you enough. You've really touched my day and, um, and anyone that hears this podcast, I'm sure they feel the same way. <laughs> mm. 
Thank you so much, Kate. Thank um, you. And do you have one last thing you'd like to say to the listeners today? I want to say one thing to you first. Okay. Um, in doing the intake form for this interview today, I noticed your gift for asking really juicy questions, which I think is a wonderful gift to have. So my invitation for your listening audience is what are the questions that you're not asking yourself and how can you give yourself space and time and permission to ask those questions so you can find your own possibilities, your own improv moments where you can create something even richer than, and even juicier than what you imagined. Beautiful. Thank you. So on that note, thank you so much again, Steve, really honor you for taking the time today. And I want to thank all of the audience for listening today and popping into living your juiciest life ever. And I hope you've got lots of notes and you can always go back and listen again to amp up that getting to that juicy place in your life because we've all got it. And I want you to remember something really important. And that is that you are a miracle. Have an amazing day and we'll see you next time.